Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at what's been going on in the world of sport around the Highlands this week. I am Andrew Henderson and as usual I'm joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, how are you doing first off? How am I doing? I've got my second jag. I'm absolutely delighted. No side effects hopefully? Well not yet. I thought apparently I was warned by the person who injected me. The second jag is a bit worse than the first one. Really? But I've only had a sore arm so far, so I think I got away pretty lightly if he was right. Well, purely anecdotally, I heard a lot more people saying they had issues with the first dose than the second dose, so that's interesting to hear. It might just depend on on which one you get. I don't know. No, I had a sore arm the first time, and a sore arm the second time, but now I feel great. And now I can download my COVID passport whenever I want. Look at that. The world is my oyster. If only the rest of the world would let us in. Well, that is part of the issue. But I'll tell you what did let you in last week. A couple of different Highland League grounds. There's been plenty going on. There's a lot for us to talk about. Pretty much every level of football is back. And we've got a few champions outside of football as well. Will, I'll leave this up to you for a change. Where do you want to start? You caught by surprise there, Hendo. I, I mean, I don't ask the easy questions. I've got carte blanche here. Shall we start with Ross County? Shall we start with Ross County then? Well, the, the champions are coming to town. The champions are coming to town. They weren't in action last weekend, but they do host Rangers in Dingwall this Sunday. There is also a new signing in Dingwall, Joe Hungbo, uh, the winger on loan from Watford, 21-year-old. It's another loan signing. What do you make of this? Should County be looking for more permanent deals? I know it's kind of needs must right now, but is that something that could come back to haunt them later in the season? The approach of taking on so many loan signings is something that uh, is worthy of debate. Is this an after effect of maybe, I don't know, the pandemic, that they're not signing players permanently, that they're taking so many loan players? It certainly caught me by surprise. How many loan players are we looking at now, Hendo? I think they're up about four or five. I haven't got them all written down in front of me, but there's Jake Vokins, there was... Like I say, Joe Hungbo this week. There was Alex Robertson from Man City mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm prob- There's Ashley Maynard Brewer, the goalkeeper from Charlton. I may be forgetting one or two more as well. Until- Harry Clark from Arsenal. Harry Clark, yeah. There we go. That's six, isn't it? Six? Well, I think that's five I've counted, but I might still be missing one or two. I'm not oh, sure. Wait, I would count Hungbo. I would count Hungbo. I think so. Five or six. God. It's, good, it's a good job we deal with words and no numbers. Yeah. It's a good start to this podcast, isn't it? I can't even remember how many names I literally just said in the last 30 seconds. Five or six, whatever is the right number. That's a, quite a few loan signings for a, a Premier League club. Mm-hmm. You'd maybe expect it for a club that's maybe in the lower reaches of Scottish football or any division, uh, maybe as a feeder club to a parent club. But maybe it's a question that hasn't been asked. Why has there been so many loan players? Because... Don't that's really been answered. Well, I've asked Malky in press conferences whether he would be looking to bring in more loan players, whether he'd be looking to bring in more permanent deals. And he's kind of said a couple of times now that long term he wants Ross County players to be Ross County players as much as possible. But for the time being, it's just the situation the club are in that they have to go for loan deals, whether that is, as you say, because of the financial constraints of the pandemic whether that's just because they're looking for so many players this summer after, I mean, we keep talking about that 10 players that were released, but they also had four or five in on loan last year that aren't still at the club anymore. So the number that Mackay keeps saying is 15 players have left the club this summer. It's also potentially just the way the markets are working right now, because 
it's a buyer's market, but there's also a lot of clubs that have stockpiled a lot of players. So maybe it's just some combination of all those things. I don't know what the more dominant one is. I don't know. It's just it's something we were talking about at the press conference earlier on this week about whether this is actually something that will be a good thing for Ross County because looking at where they were last season, we hope that they're not going to be in a relegation battle again. But if they are, can you depend on loan players in the same way you can guys who are playing for their futures? Well, that's a very good point. You know, they're only there temporarily. A lot of these loan players are coming to Ross County with the thinking that they're just there to improve their careers for a year, improve as footballers, and then hopefully go back to their uh, their parent clubs and uh, hopefully for a fight for a place there. So, you know, you'd like to think that uh, they want to make a big impression and they're 100% committed to Ross County. But it's something that fascinates me uh, this season, why Ross County have gone for so many loan players, because it's not something they've done in the past, is it? Not to that extent. Not to that extent, I've got to say. No, that's the key thing. They have obviously taken in loan players over the last yeah. couple of years, but it's not in the same sort of bulk as they have been. And I should maybe counter my own point before as well by saying that even right to the end of the relegation battle last season, Charlie Lack and Stephen Kelly were two of their key players. They were both low knees and they were both leaving in the summer. So, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe more depends on the person and the player themselves rather than purely low knees are, are worse than permanent signings in that sense. I do think it's interesting as well, looking at not just the players they brought in, but the clubs they brought those players in from this summer. You know, you can say over the last couple of years, Ross County have signed loanies from Celtic Rangers. But looking at the ones from England, you are looking at Blackburn Rovers, at Birmingham, at, at that sort of League One lower championship level club. This year, it's Harry Clark from Arsenal, Alex Robertson from Man City. You know, these are, are big name premiership teams that have academies that are producing some of the best players, some of the best young players, at least, in English football right now. Should that give Ross County fans a bit more hope, maybe, than some of the previous loan signings as well? There's a lot of different things to take into account here. Well, they can only hope at the moment, I guess, but uh, they're certainly coming with a bigger gravitas than um, loan signings previously have been. Because you're right, Manchester City, Arsenal, uh, Southampton, Watford, you know, all Premier English Premier League clubs, you know, million, billion, big bucks spending English Premiership clubs. But, you know, you've got to live up to their... It's a, you know, the pressure's all on them, I guess. They've got to live up to their reputation, you know, come and say, hey, I'm, I'm from uh, the English champions. Look at me. I'm from Arsenal. I, I came through the youth system. I, I'm not good. Well, you've got to prove you're good, you know. You can come through a youth system all you like, but uh, senior first-team first football is a different kettle of fish, even in Scotland. But, yeah, I, I, I still can't get over the number of loan signings Ross County have made. I, there's a story there. Maybe it is their way of recovering from the pandemic and when everything gets back to normal, they may be in a position to make uh, more permanent signings. Because they did go to the effort of creating a, a brochure to attract potential new players coming to the Highlands. Maybe geography is, is a, a factor in them not being able to bring the kind of players they want to the area. You know, it's been said with other clubs in the past. So I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by just the number of loan signings. I think it's fascinating. What If that has a positive impact or a negative impact, that'll be told during the, the, the season. Like I said, it remains to be seen, really, 
exactly how good these guys are, what sort of impact they'll have. I will say I've only spoken to one or two of them. I spoke to Harry Clark right after he signed. I spoke to Joe Hungbo as well this week at the press conferences. I was really impressed by both of them. They both seem to have really good heads on their shoulders. They spoke really well. They spoke really passionately and just really intelligently about what they're here to do, what they can offer to Ross County. You know, it was quite funny in a way talking to Harry Clark that he openly admitted he didn't know much about Scottish football, which usually you'd say is quite a bad thing to hear from a new signing. But he was saying, I don't know much about this, but I'm willing to throw myself headfirst into this challenge and I'll rise to it. You know, he was making the right sort of noises. And Joe Hungbo this week, reading an article on The Athletic, who went into a lot of detail about Hungbo's story and all the challenges he's faced so far through. And I asked him about what he's learned from that. And again, he spoke really, you know, cleverly and, and philosophically about it, which you wouldn't always expect from 21-year-olds. So I like what I've seen from them so far. Now we just need to see it on the pitch. And it's a huge first challenge for them this weekend against Rangers. Aye. Um, might be a bit of an advantage. Rangers played Alashkirk last night. You know, a three-day turnaround. And then they've got uh, Alashkirk next week as well. That might um, be in Ross County's favour. But I already think uh, with Rangers losing to Dungeon United, I don't know if they'll have the let's hold some players back mentality because they've all already lost three points and uh, they might want to just kick on. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a baptism of fire to anyone who's coming in on loan, not knowing much about Ross County to go and play Rangers because the fans are back. I think the away fans are back as well. Is that right? Yeah, I think they're hoping for a full house or at least as much as possible on Sunday. That's going to be a fantastic, fantastic atmosphere. It's going to be fantastic for Dingwall as well to have uh, so many... Because the Rangers end will be packed out. I remember I remember speaking to Jack Burrows, uh, who's on loan from Coventry City. That's what I didn't even mention before. So definitely up to six. Yeah, six. There we go. All right. There we go. <laughs> Subtract the remainder. Um, yeah, but he played at Hibs. And he even he thought uh, playing at Easter Road was a baptism of fire, just playing first-team football. That's another thing. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. These guys are getting the chance of first-team football which is something they've not experienced at their other clubs. They'll have played a couple of games, maybe for their parent clubs, maybe as subs or in League Cup competitions, something like that. But yeah, this is a brand new ball game for them. And they've got to prove themselves because they're just seeing Ross County as a stopgap. They want to go back to their clubs and say, hey, I'm good enough. Look what I did here. And it can't be done. you just got to remember James Madison. He was set on loan uh, to Aberdeen and now went back to Leicester City. And... Uh, I think he's a regular in an England team, isn't he? Or at least was. I, I believe he was actually at Norwich when he went on loan to Aberdeen. And he did so well there, he got into the Norwich first team and earned a move to Leicester, which as, yeah. just goes to prove your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can't be done. And maybe that he's been seen as an example of why people want to come up here. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah, with all these new faces and... I think Ross County are still looking for a couple more before the end of the window, even if they're not in in time to play on Sunday. With Rangers playing in Europe last night, with as big a crowd back as we've had since the pandemic started, pretty funny actually the way it works out, that the last game Ross County had before the pandemic was against Rangers. Do you know what to expect going into this game? Because you're going to be there on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it depends how seriously Rangers are are taking the Europa League now. I think they probably will be taking it seriously. I know they were disappointed that they got knocked out by Malmo. But like Rangers have already lost one game this season. 
And I don't think they'll be keen to repeat that uh, on Sunday. So I think Rangers might come out with full guns blazing. It could be a backs-to-the-walls job again for Ross County. They might need to do what they did against Celtic last season and just try and take them on the counter-attack. But, uh, you know, I, I think Ross County might have a chance of taking a point just because Rangers are on a bit of a downer at the moment. Yes, they beat them firmly in the League Cup, but they're in a division below. So maybe Ross County can't get a point. I don't think they'll win, but maybe a draw. I think Rangers will win, but, you know, I think Ross County are capable of a draw. No, I, I can't sit in the fence. I've got to say I think Rangers will win. <laughs> to be fair, a, a draw is a valid result in football. I wouldn't say necessarily that's sitting on the fence if you just can't separate the sides, but you're going for a Rangers win. I know, that's the thing is, though, I can't separate the sides. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, yeah. And I, I do think Rangers will win. But that's not to say Ross County are not capable of getting a point. I don't think they'll beat them. I think Rangers will win. But Ross County could get a point out of it. There you go. Do you want a scoreline? I wasn't going to push you for a scoreline. Do you want to give us a scoreline? I'll give you a scoreline to the scorn of everyone in Dingwall. Well, Ross County, they haven't scored yet this season and they didn't look like scoring against Hibs. So I'm going 3-0 Rangers. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I really hope the club aren't listening to this before I, I Sunday. Yeah, you know what? I, I sometimes talk to the media guy at Ross County and I don't think he's going to appreciate that we've started off with them. This is the way that you're going, Will. But we'll, we'll gloss over that. I know, but at least deals uh, a, a, a friendly, kind, handsome guy. Like, so, yeah. That's just your way of trying to get on his good side before trying to get him to give you a, a player to talk to after the match on Sunday. You might be blacklisting now, but hey-ho. Sorry, Dale. Hi, Dale. Thanks for listening to the show. Well, you're going to be there on Sunday. I'm going to be at the Cali Thistle game tomorrow, which is also going to be an interesting one. They're up against Air United who didn't have a great year last season, but did push Dundee United quite close in the League Cup last week. So I'm not really sure what to make of this one. Again, Cali Thistle weren't in action last week, so there's nothing really for us to look back on. But I was looking at their record against Ayr since they came up to the second tier, because the first couple of years, Ayr were right up there in the promotion mix, weren't they? they? They took the championship by storm that first season. They managed to stick around the second season. Last year, as I say, was a bit more disappointing for them. But even throughout all of that time, Cali Thistle have only lost once to them. Is history going to repeat itself this week? Well, you know, Cali Thistle are off to a good start. They've kept clean sheets. They've won both their league games. Uh, there's very good chance that they will. Air United were actually my tip to finish second last season. They nearly got relegated. But I could understand that, though, because last summer they bought ridiculously well by the looks of it, and it just very didn't good. work out for them. Excellent signings they made, like uh, Tom Walsh and Joe Chalmers and Dario Sonata. Uh, and for some reason, it just did not work for Air United last season. But like I said, they had a very good League Cup campaign. They managed to get out of their group, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So th- they're a dangerous team. But uh, like you said, Cali Thistle have a very good record against Air United. One defeat in 12 games, is that what you said? Yes. Uh, there's a few draws in there as well, but... Air United have only won one out of the 12 games they've played against each other since getting promoted to the championship in all competitions, which is really outstanding from Cali Thistle when you consider where Air have been. I know. I mean, I, I'm not thinking back. And some of the best Cali Thistle games I've been to have been at Air United, uh, especially at Somerset Park. Yes, I know it's at the Caledonian Stadium this weekend. But Air, they've only picked up one point out of six uh, in the championship so far. So even though they had a good League Cup campaign, it's not been a great start in the league, has it? 
So you would have to put Cali Thistle down as favourites to win on Saturday. And if, it, if they do, what a great start it would really be for Inverness. You know, three wins out of three. You know, you, look, you think back to last season when was it, was it, they lost to Dunfermline on the opening day. They got a draw at home to Air United, didn't they? Uh, I think it was the second game. So if it's a 1-0 again, happy days. It's all about getting the three points at the moment. Silky football could come later on. Uh, but let's you know, let's see Inverness just grind out the wins to start with. Absolutely. It's funny how it works out, isn't it? You're saying there, Air had a good League Cup campaign, but they haven't started the league particularly well. Cali Thistle were the exact opposite. They had a really good first game in the League Cup groups against Peterhead, and they didn't win any of the rest of their three games. Now in the league, they've won two out of two with two clean sheets. It's it's really weird how it works out, but we've seen this before from Cali Thistle, haven't we? It's consistency is their mm. big issue. They can have a fantastic performance and then lose the next week or even have a, a good performance and lose that match somehow. It's just a case of stringing these results together. And that is exactly what came up when I was chatting to Scott Allardyce earlier on this week. So here is what he had to say about Cali Thistle trying to become a little bit more consistent. There is reason to be positive this season, I think. We look around the, the squad and we have got a right good squad, a good mix of experienced boys, a good mix of young boys. Um, so there is a good blend there. Um, so we just need to keep keep working hard. And obviously the winning games, it, it breeds confidence. Um, we're a bubbly bunch just now, but it can all change after another game. So we just need to make sure we win that one and, and get a bit of a run going early, early on. That's the thing, isn't it? You have to keep it going. How do you go about doing that week to week? I think we just need to keep keep our heads down and keep working extremely hard. Um, with the team we've got up here, we have got a good squad, we know that, but if we can all match that, the desire and that hunger, because we all want to be going places this season, we, don't want to, we really want to try and go and push on this year. And we need to keep that in the back of our heads when we're, when we're going into games, when we're going into training, that it's not about now, it's about the end of the season, and we want to be... Want to be up there pushing and, and doing well. I think the big thing is this year that we get a bit of consistency about our game. Um, as you said last year, there was some really good performances, and then we we lose. Um, so if we can get the good performances and the wins, then then we'll show that we're doing we're a team that can have a bit of consistency. That's been the key for Cali Thistle over the last few years, really, is just trying to get consistency. Is that something that you can work on in the training pitch, or is that more of a mindset thing? Um, I think it's within games as well. Um, it's certainly something that can definitely be worked on, but it's certainly within games when you're on top, you need to, you need to take them chances. So later in the game, maybe when they have a spell that they're not then coming in there. Um, and I think that that's the main thing, to get that consistency. When we're on top in games, which we will have spells, we need to make sure we go ahead. I should ask you about air as well next game obviously um, what have you made of them I know it's still early in the season but and what are you expecting from them we played them last year and they were three tough games and now they've had a change of management and they might they might play a wee bit of a different style they might go a wee bit direct but that is something we need to deal with we need to deal with that well and then when we get our chances we need to take them so it's going to be a hard fought game I know that for sure um, so yeah we need to be up for the challenge and after the week off we need to hit the, hit the ground running early in the game and hopefully we get another few points Inverness have got a really excellent record against Ayr since they came back up to the championship I think I was looking at it this morning Ayr have only won one out of the 12 games between the teams over the last couple of seasons is that something that would come up during the week would that come into your mind at all? 
No, I, I don't think it might play on their minds if, if they were aware of maybe a record that goes against them. But for us, nah, it, it's a new game on Saturday. It doesn't really matter how many how many times we've won or drawn with them over the past so many games. I think Saturday's a whole new game. So yeah, no, we need to be be at it from minute one, and hopefully we we get the three points and start another game well. It's interesting because he brought up some things there that you mentioned earlier on, Will, as well. It's, it's going to be a battle. They can't really afford to focus too much on the style of the performance just now. It has to be all about the result. And Billy Dodds was saying the same thing talking to the press this week. He doesn't really care how they get the points as long as they do end up getting a win one way or another. He's quite happy for them to battle away, eke out a 1-0, which will be exactly i suppose what the fans want to hear as well it's all about results at this time of the season and not necessarily how they play i was looking at the united squad as well and uh, the manager's taking a a few players from greenick morton over to the team this season so maybe that's why they haven't gone uh, too well you know how i feel about morton mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah Compare a contrast Billy Dodds' team with uh, John Robertson's team. Maybe it's uh, another example of a different style of football. You know, with John Robertson, there was this free-flowing sort of sulky football. I love that word, sulky, by the way. You know what I mean? The word of the week. Uh, yeah. Attack-minded. Very attack-minded. Whereas with Billy Dodds, there does seem to be a different sort of element to, um, to the team, whereas they are prepared to be a bit more grittier, uh, and try and grind results out. You maybe see that with the likes of Kirk Broadfoot at defence, and I suppose even to an extent, Michael Gardine on the midfield. He's a, a more of a grittier player than you maybe see, uh, say, Flash. Um, He's a workhorse, isn't he? Workhorse, uh, yeah. Uh, but you've also seen it with uh, the signings that uh, Dodds has made. You know, Broadfoot, Mackay, Gardine, all over 30 years old. Dooku, I think he's 28 himself, you know. Uh, which is so, that's kind of departure from the kind of signings Robbo made where they were a bit more younger. Take Scott Allardyce, for example. He's still in his early 20s. So, I don't know. It might, maybe Cali Fissel went a bit soft in the past year or two. And maybe Billy Dodds has looked at that and think, you know what, we need a bit of a harder edge. And maybe that was the thinking last season when Neil McCann and Billy Dodds were in the dugout and said, you know what, let's put Dave Carson right back. Because I think it's probably, well, who is the hardest player at Cali Fizzle? Would there be a case for Carson? I feel like that's a question we'd have to ask them just to get what they'd say about it. I mean, there's a case for Carson, absolutely. He certainly doesn't shy away from confrontation no, on the pitch, a, if I put it that he way. He can be a nasty player. <laughs> let's just face it. If he's no happy with someone, you get tilt. Absolutely. Uh, I think Sean Welsh, maybe? I was thinking Robbie Dees. He's not the same sort of in-your-face way, but not too many people get past him. No, true, true. But no, no, let's face it. None of these guys are as hard as Carl Marco. But, you know, I, I think Billy Dawes thinks maybe we need a nastier edge to the team. Maybe that's what's been missing the past two seasons. Maybe it's just been, been a bit too free-flowing. And it's worked so far in the league. So... I'll be interested to see what kind of, uh, if he sticks to the same sort of thing on Saturday or if he changes it up a bit. Because Robertson, he enjoyed a 4-2-3-1, whereas Dodge does go 4-4-1-1. So it does kind of hold back a wee bit because you do notice that. It's, it's kind of like a, a flat midfield four with Duke up front and Shane Sutherland playing in behind. 
But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, stick with the same thing. And I think he will do that on Saturday. Yeah, he kind of alluded to that, actually, in the press conference this week. The question was put to him about Billy McKay and Lewis Jamieson, the strikers that haven't really had much of a look in this season. And he was kind of saying the shirts were Dooku and Sutherland's to lose up at yeah. the top end of the pitch. So you'd have to expect that's the case all over the pitch as well. Um, and that it will be pretty much the same thing that we've come to expect. Although he did say Roddy McGregor has made a strong argument to get in the team. So we'll see what happens there this weekend. Like I say, I'm going to be at that match tomorrow. Well, you're talking about Kai Thistle becoming a bit grittier. Usually, I suppose you would expect the lower down the pyramid you go, the grittier the football to be. But you were at some Highland League games last weekend and Clack especially was free-flowing in front of goal. And then all of a sudden, the North of Scotland Cup Wednesday night, it was free-flowing the other way, unfortunately. I really don't know what happened to Clack McConnell on Wednesday night because uh, they were they were excellent in the Highland League uh, when they played Strathspey Fistle on Friday night. Uh, they, they went a goal down, but there was a second-half blitz. Clack McConnell just blew them away for their first league win in the season. I thought, oh, wow, this is fantastic. You know, and especially after the draw at Wick Academy, it looked like things were turning around at Grant Street Park. And I, I, I actually made them heavy favourites to win on Wednesday night against Strasbourg Fissel again. And uh, this is why I don't bet, because they were 3-0 down at half-time, conceded a late penalty to lose 4-0, and it was all one-way traffic. And uh, I'm sure uh, the manager, Jordan McDonald, he won't mind me saying he was very upset by the performance of Clark McCudden. You know, he didn't expect his players to play so bad. That was his words, not mine. So they've got to try and turn it around against Forest Mechanics tomorrow. It's, 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 to be fair, they've got quite a young defence, probably a young team in general. Uh, they've got Lewis Nicholson in from Cali Fissile. They've got Callum Black to fullback as well. Both quite young players. But even then... The, the, the problem was we clapped the current on Wednesday night. Um, three of the four goals were from crosses. Strasby basically ran in the box and all they had to get a, do was get a touch on it and they scored, which is quite worrying. Uh, but to be fair to Jordan McDonald, he's recognised that. So that's something he's going to try and fix for the game on Saturday. But uh, no, it's just, it's just disappointing for everyone at Grand Street Park because it looked like they turned the corner and then this happens. Because it, it was quite a favourable draw for the... Uh, to get to the cup final as well. Well, no, I'm being a bit harsh there. Rofus are a very good team. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Brona Rangers were on the other side of the draw. So it could, I think uh, the other thing Jordan McDonald was really disappointed with on Wednesday night was maybe a missed opportunity to reach a cup final and probably win some silverware too. Well, you mentioned Brewer were on the other side of the draw. They got a 1-0 win, didn't they, over Wick Academy? So maybe some signs of life there. We're still waiting to hear news on a new manager at Dudgeon Park, but they've got Fort William at home this weekend. It's actually a Fort William home game, but because of the situation there, all their games being played on the road, it is being played at Dudgeon Park. And we've also got Nairn against Fort Martin tomorrow, Nairn on the road there. You were also at Station Park last weekend, Will. You, you kind of done the rounds of the Highland League team this last week. Oh, it was great because I love my Highland League football. And uh, to be fair, in County, they've lost every game at home this season. But it was a, well, it was a good first half performance. I was going to say it wasn't a bad performance. But uh, Ronnie Sharp said in the second half, Nairn County just didn't turn up and Fraser took control. But um, 
One thing that is concerning Ronnie Sharp is why are they losing every game at home this season? And they're only picking points up away from home. They're playing Fort Martin tomorrow, who got a fantastic result at Brewer Rangers, even though it was a low in confidence Brewer Rangers. To go to Dudgeon Park and win is no mean feat. But uh, they're not too playing too badly. And they've got Adam Porritt back, the former captain, uh, which will be a bit of a boost. So you never know. Fort Martin, the thing anyone that knows anything about Fort Martin United, they're the most unpredictable team in the Highland League. You know, for many years, they were my favourites to win the Highland League, even when Cove Rangers were in, even when Broder Rangers were uh, sweeping all before them, just simply because of the players they had. But it's just never gelled. So you never know. Near County could uh, get a victory to North Lodge Park tomorrow. It wouldn't surprise me. Because Nair, they're not a bad team, but they've just had some bad results. Fingers crossed everything sort of turns around there because it's not the start of the season they would have liked. And on paper, they should be capable of maybe not being right at the very top of the Highland League, certainly getting closer and closer towards that elite group of teams there. So fingers crossed they can do something special at for Martin tomorrow. Well, I think I've said for the last couple of weeks that we'll talk about amateur football next time. We're getting closer and closer towards the end of the season. We didn't really have the time for it, but we do now have Premier Division champions. Loch Ness finally managed to wrap up the league title. They thought they'd done it a little bit earlier than they actually had, but it is mathematically guaranteed now. I managed to catch up with their manager, Shane Carling, earlier this week. Here is what he had to say about finally, and it pretty much was finally, clinching the title. Yeah, I won the league last week, so yeah, it was about time. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, so yeah, no, the boys, the boys have been really good this season, for sure. I mean, you know, we're still undefeated. Dropped two points so far this season. So it's just two games left, and hopefully we can, hopefully we can win that two games as well. That's the thing, I saw on your social media, you're looking to go the season undefeated. It's not, you've won the title, put your feet up now, you still have something to play for. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, it's, like I said, you know, if you can go the whole season without getting beat, you know, it's, I'm winning, you know, winning the league, you know, it's, in my eyes, that's a, it's a great season, you know, so, it's, fingers crossed we can do it. So, what's gone right for you this season that you've just dominated so much? Uh, I just think this has been the core of the boys. It's been the same squad every morning, every week. Um, you know, if we make any changes, it's usually only one, two boys max that we've been changing. That's just maybe due to obviously someone not being available, or you know, no one's really played, you know, not well to get dropped. You know, it's just been, it's just been, a, you know, work commitments or something. You know, but the fact that we boys got the same. Well, it's the same starting eleven every single week. You know that's that's a big factor in it. You know it's same boys playing all the time. So you know, yeah, small squad as well. I didn't sign a lot of boys. Only had about eighteen, nineteen boys signed. You know, probably about three of them didn't even kick a ball for us because they just signed just to to help out. You know, so you're really looking at sixteen boys. You know, it definitely helped. I'm saying they're all committed. So yeah. He was saying that in his eyes, the league title in an undefeated season would be quite a good campaign. I feel like that would be the case in pretty much anybody's eyes, to be fair. It's, it's what most teams would be aiming for at the start of the season. They've got two more games, both taking place next week. Congratulations to them, obviously, for winning the title. But those final two amateur games take place in the build-up to their first North Cali game as well. 
it's all happening right now below the Highland League. It's great. Yeah, congratulations to Loch Ness. It's a no mean feat what they've done because that the amateur division, it's been dominated by two Rosher teams, Och and Maribra, for quite some time. So for an Inverness team to go and win it, it's no mean feat. So congratulations to everyone there. But, the, you know, I remember speaking to Shane a few months ago. You know, Loch Ness, they play in the North Caledonia League now and they are treating the Summer League as a bit of a pre-season um, tournament because they're, the North Caledonian League is the one they really want to win now. You can say the same for Inverness Athletic, uh, who also have an amateur team for the first time this season. They're playing in Division 2, but they're also using it as an opportunity to look at players and think, you know what, we could take a couple, of, a few of those into the North Caledonian League season during the winter. But it's, it's just great that there's clubs in Inverness that are thinking of like that, you know, giving players a chance to play during the summer, and just analysing them, thinking, can they do a job for us later on uh, when the North Caledonian League starts? And I know how much work Shane Carlin has put into that. Uh, he actually formed the club over 20 years ago. I think it's 21 years now. So credit where credit is due to him. And you're spot on when it comes to the link between the amateur season and the North Cali season, because 70, 80% of Loch Ness's players, from what Shane was telling me, were also in their North Cali squad. So when mm. he's talking about that sort of continuity with having the same team pretty much every week, but having quite a small squad, those guys have played with each other, you know, for months and months. It's not just throughout this season that has been the case. It goes back further than that, and it will continue going forward in the North Caledonian League season as well, which, like I said before, kicks off this weekend. Well, I know you're doing the rounds again, phoning up managers this time to get a preview it's just great to see the league back and back in one division. It's going to be a slightly different challenge for them this year compared to last season. Yeah, there was something missing about being split into two, especially for certain clubs that were in the second division. I'm thinking the likes of Alness United, who had such a strong squad, but because they were in abeyance the year before and only returned to action, uh, they had to play in the second division and uh, kind of just won it as a canter in the end. As much as they were happy with winning the second division, uh, speaking to the manager, Robert Corbach, he felt there was just something missing that they didn't get to really play the, the best teams in league. So that's why it's great that it's back to one division of 12 teams all across the Highlands and even Orkney now. You know, Golsby Sutherland will be strong favourites to win again, especially with the squad they have. In the past few seasons, it's it's been either Gulsby Sutherland or Inver Gordon challenging for the title. It's always been a bit of a two-horse race. Hopefully, there'll be a, a, another club or two that can take them on and uh, try and uh, lift the crown. First, will look quite strong, as do um, uh, Alness United again. Loch Ness will fancy their chances too, especially after winning the Inverness Summer League. But yeah, it's just great to have the, um, the North Caledonian League back, especially now. Uh, it's a part of a tier six competition where the winners could be promoted to the Highland League. It's just a shame Gulsby suffered one of the only team eligible at the moment. But, you know, a, a few of the clubs may have raised their games and improved their infrastructure so they can be eligible one day for the Highland League. Saying that, whoever wins the North Caledonian League, if, if it is Gulsby Sutherland, I think they would be huge underdogs uh, going into the Highland League playoffs, especially if Banks or D win the North Junior Super League. Um, I actually had a wee debate about that earlier in the week, saying if Banks of D were in the Highland League, where would they be? 
and I argued top five because they play in Aberdeenshire Shield or Cup, whatever one it is. They've beaten Keith 6 1. They've beaten Inveruri Locos uh, this week, who you would say Inveruri are one of the stronger teams in the Highland League. So if they win the North Junior Super League and they are eligible for promotion, I would make them heavy favourites to go up. And I would fear for the team that finishes bottom of the Highland League as well. That's another discussion you were having, wasn't it? Like, basically, is the team that finishes bottom of the Highland League doomed? If it's Banks of D, absolutely. I, I, I rate that team really highly. I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if the clubs actually have the choice if they want to contest the playoffs or not, even though they are eligible. But at the same time, I don't know who's going to finish bottom of the Highland League this season. You know, in the past, it was either Fort William or Lossy Mouth. Lossy Mouth, what a resurgence they're having this season. Fort William looked competitive. Tariff United look awful. So I, I can't uh, decide who will finish bottom this season. I can't call it. But whoever does, I would fear for them. Well, look, I said right back at the very start of this episode, there's football back at pretty much every level. I think we've covered pretty much every level of men's football, but I should also mention that there's some women's football happening this weekend as well. On top of the Highlands and Islands League, there is Championship North action for Cali Thistle's women's team. And they are at the Caledonian Stadium for the first time ever. It's their first home game of the season. They lost 2-1 last weekend to East Fife after beating them 3-2 away from home in a pre-season. So that was a little bit of an upset. They'll be hoping to get back to winning ways on home turf in the Highland Capital. And I'm planning on heading along to that one. That's going to be streamed on YouTube, but there are also, as far as I know, letting fans in. Keep your eyes peeled on social media for details of how to go along and support High Thistles women because they would absolutely love it if you were there. We've got to give a wee shout out to Clark the Cutting Women as well. They're playing Baroda Rangers at home on Sunday at Grand Street Park. I think they'd appreciate some fans as well. <laughs> well, they're usually at Grand Street. That's the thing. Like, that's great that Clark and Cutting do that. I'm not saying that to downplay it whatsoever. It's absolutely fantastic that the men's and women's team both play at the same place. I'd like to see it happen more often with Cali Thistle. But this is a first ever. I felt like you should big that up a little bit. I'd get, I'd get on great with the folks at Clark and Cutting Women. So I'm, I'm going to big them up a wee bit. I'm sorry I can't be there on Sunday. I've got to go and report to Ross County Rangers. But, you know, it's a great setup and uh, best of luck to them. I was there last weekend, actually. Reporting on their 2-2 game with Sutherland. Really good game. Sutherland, a very good team as well. Take my hat off to them. Well, I think that's more than enough football. We're already on track for quite a long episode and we've got a few other champions to talk about. So let's talk about some of them. You were chatting yesterday with Megan Keith, who had a pretty good time of it at the Manchester International. Yep, she won the 5,000 metres. She became the, the Manchester International junior champion. Congratulations to her. But... What's even more impressive is the juniors and the seniors actually ran in the same race, um, even though it was split into two categories. And Megan actually finished second overall, uh, one second behind the senior champion. Um, you've got to remember, Megan is only 19 years old. And in athletics, that's a long way uh, mm. away from someone who's maybe 27 or 28 in terms of development. So, I mean, Inverness shouldn't underestimate what a potential superstar they've got in their midst. She's already competed at the European Championships, where she finished fourth in the 3,000 metres, agonisingly milliseconds away from a medal. But uh, I'm sure she'll rectify that in the future. Um, but she wasn't the only one to uh, uh, medal at the Manchester International. Congratulations, Rachel McLeod, who uh, picked up bronze in the hammer. And uh, well, uh, well done to William Body from Nairn, 
who picked up a silver in the triple jump. Some very good athletes going about to handle. And a lot of different competitions as well, because I could quite easily have started off the athletics part of this podcast with Kirsty Law, who is now a 13-time Scottish champion in the discus after winning gold at the Nationals there. And across the bridge as well at Ross County Athletics Club, Zach Fern is the national under-17 javelin champion. And back across the bridge again, congratulations to James Rollo from Inverness Harriers, who was under-17 discus champion. There you go. It's all happening. There's something in the Caledonian River. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> we talk about athletics quite a bit because of all these successes, but to have all of these people being so successful within the same week or two, it really just makes you sit up and take notice of how prolific the Highlands are for producing these athletes. It's fantastic. And one pattern that's emerging is it's thrown events a lot of these athletes are doing well in. So that's uh, got to give a lot of credit to the throwing coach, Duncan Flocker, in Ernest Harriers, because he, he's behind most of these successes. So, you know, fair play to them. Fair play to them. Well, fair probably, play to you, Hendo. Fair play to me. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, fair play is summed up by cricket, because spirit of the game counts just as much as the laws of the game over there. And there's also champions there. I think we spoke about it last week that I was planning heading along to Ross County Cricket Club's Senior Cup final against Forest. It's the first time in 21 years that they've actually managed to win it. And I think the first time ever they've managed to win two cups in the same season after their T20 success earlier on this year, because I think that's the first time they'd ever won that. It was really fun, actually, to go down and, and watch that match and be able to talk to people afterwards. There's a full report online. I'm not going to go into all the details now, partially because of time for this podcast and partially because I'd probably just start boring people. But I have to give a particular shout out to Renato Bali. He has been around the club for 50 years, he was telling me. Made his debut in 1971. Had never been part of a cup winning team. He's the groundsman there. He's, he's at the pitch pretty much every day, putting the work in behind the scenes. He's a great character as well. A really nice guy. And he won the match essentially for Ross County. You couldn't have scripted a better ending. He took a hat-trick, which is essentially the equivalent of a hat-trick in football in terms of its importance. He took three wickets in three balls, which was you know crazy to do in a cup final. But then he took a fourth wicket with the next ball as well to wrap up and get the win. I did manage to get a, a brief chat with him after the match. I think he was still a little bit shell-shocked. Here is what Renato quite fondly known at the club as Ronnie, had to say. First off, how does it feel to win the cup? Yeah. <laughs> After 50 years at Ross County, um, my first uh, cup, it's very good indeed. <laughs> it feels surreal and far. Hard to believe, hard to believe. And to do it in the manner you did as well, four uh, wickets, four uh, balls to end it, it's not bad. That's no bad, uh, I sort of sorted it out. Uh, sorted out all that year's pent up emotion, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's you, good. You couldn't have written a better end than that. No, right? you couldn't. Not, not be me retired now. What's me done? Seriously? I'm retired at the top. Yes, sir. <laughs> 64, I've got to go. <laughs> but you're looking like you're going to win that a, no, quite no, a long bit towards no, the no. end. Oh, at half time, I would have said uh, it was 50 50. You know, but the boys, uh, Big Moxie got a couple of wickets, really good wickets, and the boys bowled really tight, and the fielding was first class, and Darren took a couple of great catches. And that was it. After that, after that, two catches, we were in rush out, and we just played that, sorted it all out. So was it particularly pleasing to bowl them out as well, not just win it after the? Yeah, well, yeah, it's particularly pleasing because they only got 67 runs, and they're, they're top of the league and they're top class side. 
So I was particularly pleased with that. And it, it just shows that we can do it. We're, we're a nice bunch of lads and we're all together and it's really good. It's really good. And man of the match as well. Just oh, a well. nice bonus. Oh, yeah, certainly. Sorry. Never had that before. <laughs> anyway, that's good. But has, has it sunk in? Not yet, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, no. I was singing when I got a couple of beers. So. Plenty of success, two cup wins uh, now. Uh, two cup wins for Ross County, you hadn't heard of. In fact, uh, I'm 50, it's 51 years ago, it's 50 years ago that I played my first game for Ross County, yeah, 1971. Right. And you'll find it in the Rosshire in, uh, in the archive somewhere, 1971. So, so as you say, long time coming. No, it's a long time coming. Well played, Roy. I was really pleased from you could tell that everybody at Ross County was as well. You got a particular shout out from their captain, Graham Carney, in his uh, speech, essentially, to collect the trophy. I know everybody was absolutely delighted for him. You mentioned Moxie there. It was Paul Moxon who took two wickets and Darren Lucas who took a couple of catches there. They ended up winning by 105 runs, so it wasn't even all that close in the end. And Forrest are top of the league. So as Ronnie was saying there, they are a good side. Congratulations to Ross County, to Ronnie in particular. And you never know, they still might win the league. They're still not out of that, but they will need results to go their way. So we might be talking about a treble in a few weeks' time. He one of us, by the way. Is he from Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire? I'm not actually sure. I, I haven't. I picked up a northeast twang there. Well, you would think, but he's also played for Ross County for 50 years. So... I was going to say that. Look at the archives in 1971, he said. That's a long time to keep an accent. No, I definitely picked up, I don't know, something port soy, something like that. But 64 years old and he's retiring now, going out at the top. Well, he said that. He said that, but he then played a reserve game the next day. So I don't know how serious he is about that retirement. I think he is going to pack it in at the end of the season, maybe. But he might have one or two swan songs before that. Well, if he does decide to retire, he's deserved it. 50 year service. A one-man club. I think he's a one-man club. As far as I know, yeah. As far as your interview said, so take a bow, Ronnie. If you are from the northeast, tell us about tell us exactly where you are because I'm I definitely picked up an Aberdeen Chatong in there. I might have to message him after we finish recording this just, just to check that out. We'll see, we'll see. Well, usually I ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about, but I feel like we should mention that there's also the attack block nest happening this week. That's exactly what I was going to say. Hendo. I think this is the first. Um, event of this size which has returned since the pandemic i can't think of anything else as big as this huge event huge number of cyclists still restrictions in place but great for the, the economy and just great for the city that something like this is coming back and uh, i'm not sure off the top of my head how many cyclists are taking part but it's quite a sizable amount and it's gonna be a huge celebration on sunday and you're gonna be there i'm gonna be there Reporting, I should maybe say, not taking part. No, not taking part, to be silly. No, I've not ridden a bike since I got my driver's license. I couldn't imagine doing what all these people are about to do at the ATAP. So again, full credit to them. I think a couple of our colleagues have taken part in the past or usually take part, don't they? Yeah, I know John Davidson has, and I know Alistair Fraser has. Um, I don't think our content editor, Andy Dixon, will be taking part because this week, when he was riding to work, he had a puncture. That is true. I was just thinking he, he is out yeah. on the bike quite a lot, but he did have a puncture. So that's his dream over for another year. I'm sure he'll be delighted we brought that up. 
Well, we, you've mentioned a couple of them there, John Davidson, of course, listeners might be familiar with through Active Outdoors, another one in Pineland News and Media's podcast. And Andy Dixon, of course, is one of the co-hosts of Health and Liftness as well. I wasn't planning on going straight into a wrap up there, but you did mention them. So I thought I should mention their podcast as well. Hmm. But uh, 66 miles, you know, it's, it's a heck of a distance. And uh, best of luck to everyone who's taken part. Uh, maybe one day I'll take part two, but I'll have to buy a bike first. And for anybody who's hoping that they're going to win it, you will, of course, be greeted by Will Clark at the finishing line. So you can look forward to that. Yep. Look for a malnourished beanpole that uh, needs a shave. And uh, I'll, I'll happily speak to you about how you won. Well, I wasn't going to say it, but you did. So I think that's as good a place as any to leave it on for this week. Well, we've been going on for a while. I know it's been a, a, quite a long podcast. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. If you're so inclined, why not leave a review or rate us wherever you're listening? Because that always helps other people find it. And it might just be a nice wee morale boost for us every now and then. You never know. Yeah, just be nice. Just be nice. That's a message we can always spread in any situation. Well, you're back on your own next week. I know. What does that mean for the fate of balls and whistles next week? There's only one way to find out. Here's hoping I've got a podcast to come back to in a couple of weeks' time. I, I'm away on annual leave. There is no fantasy football update this week because there weren't games last weekend, but make sure you update your teams this time around. We're going to be, well, I don't know, Will, will you go back in and, and check how people did next week? Probably not, no. Well, there you go then. It might have to be a couple of weeks before you find out if you manage to beat us for another week. Until then, I've been Andrew Henderson. Thanks for listening. Oh.